0: You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas. Will you go with me to an all familiar text, an all familiar story, to Romans chapter number four, and look with me here in verse number, starting in verse number seventeen? I have spent some time looking. When a story is is powerful as this one, I will spend time looking and and searching and rereading. And uh, over the time, I don't know how many times that I have preached over. Uh, on this text but this week the past couple of weeks i've been wanting to be on this and it just hasn't been what i felt the lord where we wanted me to be uh, but today i do and so uh, i want to try to teach i want to try to back up and teach a little bit and to help you uh, this morning in regards to your faith Romans chapter 4 looking at verse number 17 and we'll read down to verse number 21 and i understand there's just a few more scriptures to the end but I feel I, I need to stop at verse number 21. The Bible says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Will you back up to verse 17? And the Bible says, as it is written, I have, it's the Lord talking to Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead, and call us those things which be not as though they were. I want to make a bold statement, and I'll get right into the word, and I don't often do this. But this morning, if you'll listen, not because it's me, I really feel deep in my spirit that I'm going to help somebody. Somebody that's been struggling. Somebody that's been defeated. You know you can know the message of the cross and know the way of victory and still live in defeat. This morning, I really feel strongly in my spirit that I'm going to help somebody if we'll listen and look at the scripture for how God intended for it to be. I know other time no other Title, except this, because I'm going to be all over these scriptures, but I want to use this, the example of Abraham. The example of Abraham. If you want to keep your Bibles open, we're going to go back to it. I'm going to teach. And so uh, I want to just pray that we help this morning. Will you help me pray this morning? Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and your love. Thank you for every individual, every family that is represented here today. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach, to teach your already anointed word. I ask that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive your word. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to deliver, God, to rightly divide this great word of truth, God, this treasure that we have, that you've given to us through men and women of old, through the men of old that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would do a work that I cannot do, and I'll give you praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Amen. I go back today to the example of our father in the faith, Father Abraham. He's called father for no other reason except for the fact that he is our father in the faith. He produced, it was the revelation that we would receive from God by faith in the sacrifice, by faith in the promise. It all began with Abraham, the revelation of, of of that actually being manifested come through Moses. But Abraham is the one that the revelation came through. There are three examples, and from the beginning here I'm asking you to be attentive because I'm going to cover a lot of information. I'm going to do it slowly. Some of it you know and some of it you may not know, but uh, from the beginning I'm going to cover some uh, vital information. There are three examples that the Apostle Paul uses here in the book of Romans. Now, I've got to back up and tell you, for those that may not have known this or heard it, but, <clears throat> excuse me, the book of Romans is our ABCs of Christianity. That's right. That's it's where we start. This is kindergarten. Yes. And when we don't understand the book of Romans, we have no need to move any further. Because if we error here, we will error everywhere else in the Word of God. Yes, the book of Romans brings the Old Covenant, the Old Testament into light as the Apostle Paul We use Old Testament and Old Covenant examples to prove a New Testament truth. But the book of Romans gives us the revelation of exactly what Jesus done for us on the cross of Calvary. There are three examples the Apostle Paul uses. One of them examples is the one we're reading about. His name is Abraham. Everybody's familiar with Abraham. The other example is a man by the name of David, King David. He uses in the beginning of chapter number 4. He calls out David's name also. And the other example, the third example, he uses the prophet Habakkuk, who wrote one of our prophetic books, our minor prophet books, Habakkuk. And the reason that he brings these out is because the Jews, the Israelites, those in that day, were trying to prove that they were justified according to what we do, our works, and how that we perform and the Apostle Paul uses these three examples to prove to you, you are not justified. No, not you or nobody else in the world are justified, or in other words, declared not guilty before God. You're not in a right standing with the Lord by any other means except by faith in Jesus and what He did for us on the cross of Calvary. We're not justified by law. You're not justified by your name. You're not justified by how much money you have. You're not justified by a water baptism formula. We're not justified by a church membership. You're not justified because you go to church on a certain day of the week. We are justified one way, and that is by faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary. Let me move back to our three examples. The first example is Abraham. Why did He bring up Abraham? Abraham being the father of the faith. The reason that we know that He used Abraham is because Abraham was, the Jews were holding to their law. Oh, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. And the Apostle Paul backs up before the law and says, no, sir, Abraham was justified because he believed in the word of the Lord. All the way before law there was faith and a promise David is given to us because David is an example during the law the law had already been given but David is given to us during the law and he says David was justified also by faith and a sacrifice Habakkuk is given to us because it's prophetic it's future of what is to come and he uses Habakkuk in Romans 1 and 17 the just shall live by faith in other words it's this before the law it was by faith in a sacrifice during the law it was by faith in a sacrifice and way after the law and Jesus had already come it, it will be by faith in a sacrifice they didn't know the sacrifice as Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary but we know it today as Jesus and what he done for us on the cross they looked ahead to a promise faith in a sacrifice we look back to a promise of what Jesus done for us on the cross of Calvary Congregation, I come to tell you today, it is so vital that we examine our faith to make sure that we are living according to our faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. God is not looking at your performance. He's not looking at your effort. He's not looking at your works. He's looking at your faith in Christ and what He did for you on the cross of Calvary. And if you've got that right, your effort, your works, your performance will all line up according to your your faith in Christ is that plain we have these three examples now we move on I, bring, I wanted to bring this out because it's always been by faith listen I can't, get, <laughs> I can't make this plain enough there's nobody going to heaven because they're Pentecostal nobody's going to heaven because they're Church of Christ nobody's going to heaven because they claim to be Catholic nobody is going to heaven because they are Baptist. I could go on and on and on. No, sir, you won't find that in the Word of God. You're going to heaven because you've placed your faith in Jesus as the Son of the living God and what He accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary. There's one way. I said there's one way. And that is through the door. And that door is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The Old Testament, faith in the sacrifice, New Testament. We know that sacrifice is Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. There are two great contrasts in these texts with these scriptures that every believer struggles with today. I take note of this. Listen to what I'm about to say. The contrasts are this. We are looking at the natural and we're looking at the spiritual. That's the two great contrasts and that's the struggle. That's, surely I can get one amen. That's the struggle. We struggle in the natural Believing the things in the spiritual. I didn't need to back up to my first point. I got a few amens. We struggle in the natural, believing God for things in the spiritual. And I want to do my best to be plain. If I if I haven't been plain, if you don't understand, we're not going to help nobody. So I want to go slow and I want to be very plain. As the apostle Paul would say, I would not have you to be ignorant. <laughs> Not that you're ignorant, but that's what he said. In other words, I want to make sure that we all understand what the Scripture is saying. Go ahead. Go ahead. What we see and what we deal with daily is things that pertain to our natural life. But what I hope to help you with is a great truth. A great truth, and this great truth is this. The way that God has called it in the spiritual is how that we need to believe it in the natural. That's a struggle. But the way God calls it in the spiritual is how that we believe it in the natural. The two great contrasts here. But against the natural, if we can believe it as God has called it in the spiritual, then we can, listen, we can by faith, according to the will of God, we can receive the things that God promises in the spiritual, we can receive it in the natural. But we got to believe it as God has called it or God sees it. To the believer that has been baptized into Jesus Christ... What we see and what God sees is two different things. What we see and what God sees is two different things. You see, I see the problems and the struggles that I have in the daily, in the daily life. You are seeing your problems that you have, that you have going on in your family, in your marriage, in your own heart. You're seeing these problems. You're dealing with these issues. But when you've been, as a believer, been baptized into Christ, I want to give you another visual here. While we're looking at problems and issues and things that we're facing every day, because we've been baptized, or in other words, fully submerged into the person of Jesus Christ, then what is it that God sees? (laughs) God's looking at His Son. We've been baptized into Christ. I'm fully submerged, Brother Charles, into the, the life and the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. I've been raised up a new creation. But the only way that God can leave me as justified and declared not guilty is that God has to continue to look at his son. Right. He's looking on somebody that's perfect. <laughs> He's looking on somebody that's pure. You know, Ephesians gives us a lot of great blessings. The book of Ephesians tells me, I've been, I, I am holy. I am holy. Anybody in here that would claim to be holy outside of Christ? Let me just say it like this. God is viewing me as holy, but in the natural, I'm not holy. I've got some thoughts and things that's not yet lined up with with God's thoughts. I'm preaching good. So what God sees and what I see is two different things. I'm looking at my problems. I'm looking at my everyday routine, and God is looking at Jesus Christ. And what He done for me on the cross because I am baptized into Christ. You see the contrast. God's not seeing what we're seeing. There's two different things here. And so I'll try to make this clear. God is striving. When we see our position in Christ and we know as God has seen us, God is striving to bring our natural doubts and our natural flaws up to what He has promised us in the spiritual realm. Oh, that's good. God is trying to bring us from what we are seeing to look at things through what He is seeing. He's trying to get our eyes off our problem and get our eyes back on the problem solver. Get our eyes off of a sickness and get our eyes back on a healing. Get our eyes off of a bondage and get our eyes back on the one that said whom the Son has made free shall be free indeed. He's trying to turn our focus. God doesn't see what we see, so we look at this. God is striving to bring our natural continually. I want you to know I got to stop and teach you. Love, take a little detour. I'll come right back. I promise. This is why it's so important that you invest in your faith. That you be be faithful to the house of God. That you pick up your Bible. That you stay in communication with God. Because it's all about our faith. If God is going to bring our natural up to what He sees in the spiritual, we've got to invest in our faith. We've got to invest in our faith. Look, the more you hear the Word of God reinforced, the more you're going to believe it. Oh, I'm preaching good. The more you're going to believe it. The more conversations that you're having with God on a daily basis, the more that you're going to trust Him. Oh, that's good. That's why it's important that we invest in our faith. That's my detour. I'll come right back. Now, let me start here. Verse number 17, Joey, can you bring it back up for me? It's one of, in my life, this is from the book of Steve, so take it however, but in my life, it's been one of the most mistaught and misunderstood scriptures in the Bible. Some may agree, some may disagree, but as I have written, watch the scripture, look at the text real closely. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, I brought this out before, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You know what the church is doing today, mainly in the word of faith doctrine? They're taking this scripture and they're saying that man can call those things that be not as though they were. The Bible doesn't say that. And in fact, that is not in harmony when you begin at Romans 4 and read it all the way through. That's got nothing to do with what's being written. Calling those things that be not as though, that's got nothing to do with the scripture. It's not moved. Jesus doesn't jump conversations. The disciples tried that in Acts chapter number one. He's telling them about the promise of the Holy Spirit. They said, when will you establish your kingdom? Those things are not yet for you to know. Now let me back back up. You shall receive power. That's what he says. Jesus doesn't jump conversations. This text does not say that you can call those things that be not as though they were. We're going to struggle with that. I'm going to tear down a little bit of religious walls. Listen, I heard a man say the other day, I don't mean this unkind, I'm just telling you what I heard. I heard a man say the other day as he's leading worship, he, saw, he said we need to begin to confess the things of God knowing that we can talk like God because the Bible says that we can call those things that be not as though they were. The only issue with that is that's not what the Bible says. It's not in there and that's not what the Scripture's talking about. in fact, It's so much more powerful than that. We can't call those things that be not as though they were. You know what would happen if we'd done that? We would be so far off of the will of God and full of self because everything we said would come to pass. And in fact, we would be our own God. I'm preaching good. This Bible doesn't say, the, the word doesn't say it. It says God quickens the dead and call us those things that be not as though they were. If you can call those things that be not as though they were, you can also quicken the dead. To not understand this is to take away from its original meaning. I want to take you back to the life of Abraham. Directly, that is our example giving here. I want you to see some things. Abraham, God called those things that will be not as though they were, and he did this and given us the example of Abraham, we've got to stay in contact with the text. Genesis chapter 15, verses one through six. I want you to look at it with me. I'm going to teach you a little. And these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward." Abram said, "Lord, God." What will thou give me seeing I go childless? Now we see what's in Abraham's heart. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given me no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, talking about Eliezer. Eliezer would not be the heir of Abraham. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thou see be. Stay right there. Look at the stars. You know what God did? God just gave Abraham a picture that would blow his mind. I want you to look at the stars. Count the stars, Abraham. This is what your seed shall be. Now listen to this. Abraham don't even got a child. Not a single child. This is how your seed shall be. In verse number six, while Abraham was trying to count the stars, the Bible says he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord. ha, <laughs> ha. And he counted to him to write, let me tell you, if you'll believe in the Lord, God will count it unto you as righteousness. That's the promise that we have. In chapter number 16, we're not going to look at it, but the struggle began. Abraham runs back to his wife, Sarah. God said, he's going to give us a son. And he told me, he walked me out, told me to count the stars. He said, so shall my seed be. Chapter number 16, by the time they got there, they were already failing in believing the promise. And Sarah says, "I've got an idea. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was you, but it didn't involve me. She wasn't even there during the conversation. Right. Why don't you take Hagar, my handmaid? And you, between you and Hagar, have a son." Abraham said, "Okay. You know, anytime the flesh gets involved and we start to entertain our own ideas, right. we always mess up. Right. So he takes Hagar, and they have." a son by the name of Ishmael, and we're still pray, pray, playing for, uh, paying for that today. The struggle began. But chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, watch this. Abram was 90 years old and 9. 90 and 9. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me, I love the text, and be thou perfect. Verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. Verse 3, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, he's on his face. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Verse number 5. Neither shall thou name be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Verse 6. I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. God has blown the promise so big that it begins to blow Abraham's mind. Verse number 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee. After you're gone, Abraham. In the generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. This is everything God told him. And I will give unto thee and thy seed after thee. The land wherein thou art a stranger and the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession. I will be their God. The Bible tells us, verse number 8. That giving us the fulfillment of the promise. But I want you to back up to verse number five. Look at this. Thy name any more shall be called Abram but thy name shall be called Abraham for a father of many nations have I made thee. You see that word made? I have made thee a father of many past tense because God already called it. He's got one son, Ishmael, who was out of the will of God. He's got one son. Pastor Brian, how many biological children do you have? None. Abram's got one. It would be just about equivalent if I walked up to Pastor Brian and said, You are a father of many children. You already are. You're done. God walks up and said, I already made you. You know how God could say, I made you a father of many nations? Because he already gave him the promise in chapter 15. This is what I'm going to do. And when God spoke it. Abraham hadn't seen it come to pass. But it was as good as done. God called this thing. That be not as though it was already done. Now in chapter number 18. We know that when Abraham went back to Sarah. And begin to tell Sarah, God has made me a father of many nations, and it will come between both of us. We know this. Sarah laughed. Am I boring you? Stay with me for just a moment. Sarah laughed. My womb is dead. I can't even have children. I am completely dead and gone. And God looked at Abraham. Why did you Sarah, why did she laugh? Sarah even says, I didn't laugh. He said, Oh, but you did. You did laugh at the promise. But did you know Abraham laughed? No, I didn't either. It took a couple of weeks. Look at chapter 17, verse 17. Brother joy, if you'll bring that up. I want you to see something. Abraham fell upon his face and he laughed. And he said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old. And Sarah that is 90 years old, he fell on his face and he laughed. Now let me ask you something. Why do we laugh at statements that's given to us? Somebody gives me a statement that is so far-fetched that in my mind, in my heart, it's not even a possibility. I'm going to laugh. Somebody comes up to me and says, your little brother's better looking at you. I'm going to laugh at him. (laughs) Your older brother's got more hair than you. (laughs) If I come back tonight with two black eyes, y'all understand why. If somebody tells me something that is so far-fetched, it's not even a reality, I'm going to laugh. Abraham laughed. He laughed because me having a child, that is so far-fetched. Sarah laughed, and then she laughed. I didn't laugh. God said, oh, but you did laugh. You know what God did? He brought them to the place of laughter because he brought them to the place where they knew that when in their self, that wasn't even a possibility. It wasn't even a possibility. I'm a hundred year old. My wife is Ninety. She's, her womb is dead. I can't even lie with a woman. And you're telling me we're going to have a child? And God is saying, oh, you're not just going to have a child. Count the stars, Abraham. And not only that, I'm going to make of you great nations. And not only that, there's going to be kings that come out of your lineage, Abraham. And Abraham laughed. Oh, that's so far from the truth. He said, I got an idea, God. Why don't you just take Ishmael? Because I've already got Ishmael. He said, no, it's not Ishmael. And I'm looking for her. He said, in fact, you know what? You laughed. Sarah laughed. When the child was born, he said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to name that boy Isaac. You know why? Because Isaac means Laughter. Every time you look at him, you're going to remember that you laughed and you thought it was so far from a possibility. I'm going to remind you what you thought was impossible. I made possible if you'll only believe me. God called those things that be not as though they were. The Bible says that Abraham believed in hope against all hope. The promise, I want to just show you some things here. He laughed because it was so far from the possible truth and they were commanded to call his name Isaac. And Abraham was so consumed with what he saw in the natural that he couldn't believe God for a promise in the spiritual regardless of what his body was telling him. But God was calling it as if it was already done. In chapter number 17, I made you a father of many nations. And Abraham looks at him and I've got one son. And he wasn't even even your plan. And you're calling me a father of many nations? That's exactly what I'm calling you because I've already promised it to you. In our text, chapter 4 of Romans, in verse number 18, I want to show you some things. I'm not going to be before you long. I know when we teach it's harder to soak it all in. But in chapter number 18, Abraham, or in chapter 4, you're right. Who against hope, he believed in hope, watch this, that he might, that he might. He's still, he's talking about the struggle that he had here. God's talking about the struggle he had. But at the place where he started to believe God again in chapter 21, Isaac is born. He said this, this is when it all took place. This is when Abraham got what God promised him. Against hope and the natural, he believed in hope and the spiritual and what God was telling him. And the reason he did that is so that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Look at verse number 19 and 20. Being not weak in faith. We know he was weak before, but now it's talking about after he started believing. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The struggle was now in his heart had been settled and he began to believe God all over again. He started to believe God for His Word. He started to see things spiritually as God sees it and no longer in the natural which was the obvious. And let me tell you this, the natural was in fact how it was. It it was not how it was going to be according to the Word of God. And verse number 21, he was fully persuaded that what he, what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, at this point, he hadn't yet received the promise, but he was fully persuaded that what he promised, not only was he able to promise it, he was able also to perform it. The moment, we look at this in the natural, I want to tell you this, in the natural, not only the spiritual sense here is that Abraham believed and we get the revelation of faith, and that all of those that come into the family of God They will come in by faith. That's the spiritual revelation here. He became the father of many nations by those that were engrafted into the family of God by faith. But in the natural, he also became the father of many nations because he begot Isaac. And Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot his sons, became the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't receive everything in the natural that he wanted to receive. But listen, because he believed God in his lineage, as long as his sons continued to believe God, they were recipients of the promise that God had given Abraham. I want you to know you've got more reason to believe God than just yourself. You can pass on the experience and the promises of God. If your children will believe, if your grandchildren will believe, they too can be blessed of the Lord. He received it in the natural. He received it in the spiritual. All because God came to him one day. He quickened the dead, he called him, he made alive which was dead in him, spiritually, spiritual life. The moment that Abraham believed the Lord, he was made spiritually alive. And then he said, I called those things that be not as though they were. In other words, I called you a father of many nations, and you're not there yet. Now, I told you I wouldn't be before you long. I want to talk to you just for a moment. The moment that we place our faith in Jesus and what he done for us on the cross of Calvary, we are baptized, fully submerged into Christ. If I walked in that door, that room, and shut the door behind me, you couldn't see me anymore. If that room was Christ, that's what this means, baptized, not water baptism. We were baptized into Jesus, his life. Fully submerged, and I'm hid in God. Do you know that God cannot look at you and pronounce you not guilty unless you are covered with the blood of Christ? But the moment the blood covers me, then I am pronounced not guilty in my life. Here's what I want you to see. In the natural, we've got some problems, we still got some issues. There's believers, I got to believe in here this morning. Listen. There's believers in here, today, it's going to get quiet on me, that are dealing with depression. That are dealing with oppression. That are dealing with an addiction that they don't want. That are dealing with a bondage that they don't want. (laughs) I feel the spirit of the Lord. Is there a bondage there? Is there something that you don't want in your life? You know, the worst ones are the ones that nobody else knows about. Because we keep it hid. And it's between you and God. But when we start to accept it as a part of my life, I'm going to have to live with depression. I'm going to have to live with this bondage. I'm going to have to live with this addiction. We get so consumed by our issue and our problem that we're looking at it in the natural. And we forget what God has called it in the spiritual realm. Somebody viewing themselves today bound. Somebody viewing themselves today addicted by whatever. Somebody viewing themselves today with somebody, I'm just somebody trying to cope with depression. Somebody viewing themselves today as somebody with a broken heart. And now I just got to stay busy so I don't think about it. You know, God's answer for your broken heart and answer for your addiction is not to make you busier. We can only believe how God sees it. We can only view it like God sees it. (laughs) And we start to believe it and we'll receive. Sickness is a tough one because we don't know the will of God. But there's people that view themselves as sick and always will be sick. Sister Lynn will tell you different. There's people today that view themselves as a family that is broken, a marriage that is broken, just doing the best they can. That's how we view ourselves because that's the fact that we're dealing with in the natural. People viewing themselves as a person that is broken. We love God. We've placed our faith in Jesus. No doubt we're saved. But dealing with issues every single day and we start to look at ourselves as that's how we are. I want to do something. But Troy, will you help me? TJ, will you help me? Stand right there beside him. God. Looking at us. TJ, stand in front of me. This is how we view ourselves with God. Is this all right, my back to you? Okay, I'll move up. This is how we view ourselves when we're looking at God. God, I want you to see. All my problems and all my issues. I want you to see my bondage. I want you to see my broken heart. I want you to see my depression. And let me tell you this God already knows what's always wrong with us. But He also only knows, already knows, He's got one answer, one solution. This is how we view ourselves God, looky here, looky here, looky here, looky here. This is what God sees. If Troy is Jesus, when God looks at us, I didn't get no amens on this, this is all right, but I'm going to do it again anyway. When God looks at us, he's viewing Jesus. Let me tell you this. Oh, I'm going to get excited. He's looking at Jesus, and you know what he sees? Well, I see somebody there that's justified. That's free from all sin I'm looking at Jesus and I'm seeing somebody that's free from all bondage there's not no bondage in Jesus there's not no bondage in my son I'm looking at somebody there you say you're broken hearted but when I look at him do you not remember that when he stepped out he said I came to heal the broken hearted I see the healer I see the Deliverer. I see the One that's able to mend. I see the One that's able to restore. I wish I had a little help this morning. I see the One that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ever ask or think. And if you could just believe it like I see it instead of believing it like you see it, then I could work in your life. God called those things that be not... As though they were. You say you're bound. When God looks and say, Jesus, sees Jesus, He said, oh, I see you free. Oh, I'm broken. God says, I see you mended. Oh, I'm this. No, God sees you as something else. I want to tell you this morning, if you could turn your attention, your faith, your heart, to the promise that God has already given us through Jesus Christ, and start believing Him as God has called it. Those things that be not as though they were, He can manifest that in your flesh, and you can receive it, because that's how God has called it. If we can start looking at it in the spiritual. Thank you guys, you can stay with us. If we can start looking at it in the spiritual. (laughs) I don't think I've been very plain this morning. Let me just be plain. I'm a simple country boy. from a town, population 51, so I can be pretty plain and simple. Let Let me just say it like this. You come in here bound. You come in depressed. Come in dealing with your broken heart what I want you to know is we often allow that fact to consume our life and we start to live like this is how our life's going to be. All I've done this morning is to tell you the way you see it and the way God sees it is two different things. And if you'll start looking at it and believing in it like God has seen it, we'll start seeing it manifested in our flesh. God. ha. <laughs> He calls those things that be not as though they were. He's called you free this morning. He's called you healed this morning. He's called you restored this morning because he's looking and he's seeing Jesus, <laughs> a perfect one that has already paid for anything and everything that you ever need. I'll be simple. You don't have to be bound by what you're bound by. You don't have to deal. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Me and Pastor Brian, when we first started foundation class, a woman came, sat in class, left immediately right after that class. Got out, I believe it's foundation class. Maybe it was the healing of the broken heart, I'm not sure. Sat in her car, and she's bawling her eyes out. I was uncomfortable, didn't know what to say. I just stood there for a minute. She rolled her window down. She said, I don't know if you'll understand this. She had lost a child. She said, I cry every day of my life, every single day of my life. All the world has done has turned me to prescription. And now I'm addicted. Now I have more than one problem. I come to tell you this morning, I know that there are those, and I've touched, a t- I have already mentioned a touchy subject. I know there are those that have suffered a great loss, that have suffered a great loss and to look at me and say, you don't know, you've not been there. I want you to know this morning that even though there's a great loss, there's a great price that's been paid so that you didn't have to cope with it. God didn't intend for you to cope. He intended for you to be healed, delivered, and set free by the power of God. It's been a great price. Trying to turn your attention to the way that God sees things. You don't got to be bound by nicotine. You don't got to be bound by drugs. You don't got to be bound by alcohol. The price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary is greater than your bondage. God has already called you free through Jesus Christ. And if you'll believe it, it will be manifested in your life. The Jeff, would you come? God called those things that be not as though they were. And if you believe those things as though they already were, then I believe with all of my heart that you can receive it by faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I'm asking for you to move up on somebody's heart this morning. I don't know God. What we have already settled in our life. I don't know what we've already got comfortable with. But God what I am asking today is. That you would turn somebody's attention. God back to you and what you've already done. What Jesus has already done for us on the cross of Calvary. God you have called it as you have seen it. And when you look at your son you see freedom and you see Deliverance. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would tug at a heart this morning and that truth would be instilled in every heart today. Hallelujah. What do you got? Let's just worship just a second. Go ahead. It
1: counts of stars.
0: I want you just to close your eyes and sing this with him if you will. He
1: counts the stars one and all. He knows how much sand is on the shore. He sees every sparrow that falls. Hallelujah. May the mountains and the seas yeah. He's in control of everything. Of all the creatures great and, small, great and small. And he knows my name.
0: He knows my name. Every
1: step that I'll do what you
0: can
1: do, God. I pray you do it for sure. Every tear that I cry.
0: Hallelujah.
1: And He knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain. See the light of day, I know I'll be just fine. Cause he, he knows, knows my name.
0: Come on, sing it and worship. Don't know what tomorrow
1: may, may bring. I can't tell you what's, what's in story? store don't know a lot of things.
0: Hallelujah.
1: I don't have all the answers to the questions, questions of right. life. But, but I, I know in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. And he knows loves my, my, name. my name. Every step that and I, I take. Every move that I make Every, every tear that I cry Hallelujah, come on, sing it with her He knows my
0: Here's my altar call this morning. I left last Sunday morning with this thought. Been on my heart all week long. The father brought his little boy to the Lord. A little boy that was known as a distraction, as somebody that was just a nuisance. But after Jesus touched that little boy, raised up and delivered him from that demonic spirit, That little boy had a new normal. He was known as something he had never been known before. This morning I want to tell you. You can have a new normal. You can have a new normal. After Jesus touches your heart, you will never be the same. You may struggle with seeing things in the spiritual. but I pray that God would open the eyes of our heart. That we would see as God sees through what Jesus has already done on the cross of Calvary. i got to tell you this morning, church, it's already done. It's already been paid for. It's a past tense work. And if you can believe God for it, and continue to believe God for it, it can be manifested in your natural life today. What Jesus has done, He has done it for every single one of us this morning. I come to tell you this morning, I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know maybe what you're bound by. But I did come to tell you that if you'll reposition your faith back to Jesus and what He did on the cross, you'll see it as God sees it. God has called it. Those things that be not as though they were, He's already called you delivered, set free, healed this morning. We might as well accept it the way God accepts it because we don't like it the way we've accepted it. There can be a new normal for you this morning. I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm just gonna open the altars up this morning. I don't know who you are or what you're bound by. But that's what's in my spirit in my heart. And let you come. Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come? You don't have to worry about others. Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Come on, why don't you come? God's about to call it. Hallelujah. Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? If somebody has came and you know them, please come help them. Please come pray for somebody. Come on, lift your brother, your sister up. Come on. Would you come this morning? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, why don't you come find somebody to pray with? Pray for them today. The Lord is touching hearts and lives right now. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Somebody's going to be set free, somebody's going to be changed, somebody's going to be delivered. Somebody's going to walk out with their priority changed to what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. Somebody's going to no longer be the same. Come on, would you come find somebody to pray with? We need some help this morning. Your brother, your sister needs you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, can I get some help? Come help somebody pray today. Hallelujah find somebody pray with them we're in this together
1: we're here to help one another I don't know
0: a hallelujah to the Lamb of God praise the I
1: don't have all the answers to the questions of life but i
0: If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.